Hello and welcome to Eden Exchanges, the franchise business journey podcast by Eden Exchange. Today we spoke to Steve Player, who is the fourth generation of players and CEO of Ferguson Player, an Australian-owned and run bakehouse franchise first opened in 1901. Listen as Steve chats about the Player Bakehouse's highlights over the years, the Ferguson Player business model, and the loyalty, trust and dedication Ferguson Player have between their franchisees and their customers. Welcome everyone, my name is Raghu from the Eden Exchange team and I'm joined by Ellen Rogers today. Hello everyone. Today we're joined by Steve Player, who's the CEO of Ferguson Player. Thanks a lot for joining us today, Steve. Hey, thanks for having me, Raghu. And Ellen, was it? Yes, that's correct. Great. Look, excellent opportunity having a discussion about the business and your growth journey. Can we start by asking you about your professional background? and your current role at Ferguson Player Bakehouses. Yeah, certainly. Well, look, uh, being very much a, a family business, um, it might not surprise you to know that I started uh, well, my, my first gig at the business. I was probably eight. I, uh, I worked closely with my brother and first gigs were coming into work with uh, with our dad and uh, and cleaning for a long time. So I've uh, spent, uh, I'm now 46, so that's a lot of years in the same business, know it very well. Cleaning, making a lot of cakes. Uh, both he and I, you know, were pastry cooks during um, secondary school. We used to ride our bikes to work in the school holidays, and felt, you know, really privileged to have the opportunity to have a job uh, in those days, get a bit of pocket money going. And when I finished secondary school, I went to uni. I did a marketing and commerce degree. But I think, you know, both my brother and I felt like we had a, a bit of a degree in Ferguson Player by the time we were about twelve. Uh, I think sitting around the dinner table with a, a third-generation dad and baker and hearing him talk about all of the wonderful things and all the stressful things that happen in a bakery business, you know, had us really understanding the uh, the nuts and bolts of, of our family business at an early age. So I think we, um, yeah, we entertained the idea of, of working in other places and our parents were very, you know, they're very supportive about, in fact, almost encouraging us not to, you know, be limited to thinking that we would always work in the family business and suggested that, you know, there are a lot of easier ways to have a career or make money than to be a baker in fact you know, i think being a baker has some incredible challenges obviously if you like sleep bakings are not uh, a great business you've got to get up early and it's tough you know it's a, it's a mature business all those kinds of things and my dad worked incredibly hard we didn't see him very much as kids it'd be mum who used to you know take us to footy and sports and and all those kinds of things so um, it might not surprise you to know that, you know, my brother went straight from secondary school to uh, pastry cooking, just absolutely loved it. And, uh, and I finished my commerce degree and had studied economics and finance. And when that finished, um, after having a d- done a couple of placements in, in a couple of the big fours, I decided to move into the business and started as finance manager. Since then, it's been quite some years. That was the early 90s. And I'm now CEO and director. I've been director since uh, 2010 and sole CEO since 2012. And with Ferguson Plera Bakehouse, how do you differentiate it from everything else in the market? And how's that changed over the, its, its multi-generational history? Yeah, look, uh, it, it's a great question. Yeah, bakeries are, is a pretty mature market. Some might say look, there's not lots of new stuff going on. I mean, MasterChef and all of that food stuff that's going on aside, you know, points of difference in a market like ours are really important. And you know, being a century-old family business, born and bred in Melbourne since 1901, yeah, it says a lot about a brand. And I'll talk to trust in a minute because I think trust with consumers is more heavily 
um, sought than it was some years back because of the lack of trust some things have been happening globally. Key point of difference for us is that we bake and deliver a very big range of bakery products exclusively to our own stores. We only sell to our own network. We do that seven days a week and we do it almost every day of the year. So our and the difference between us and a lot of other, well, certainly multi-site bakery businesses and even other franchises is that we are bakers first and foremost. You know, my brother and I, my dad as well, you know, we get out of bed to bake great products that we can be proud of. You know, we are standing in the shadows of our great-grandfather who joined us or, or came to Australia in uh, the very early 1900s. And he was an artisan. You know, he studied his trade in Munich, in Paris, in London, came across with, with nothing and opened our first bakery in the early 1900s and uh, carved a reputation for our family um, that we now benefit from, and it was built on quality. And we've seen a lot of other businesses, you know, focus on the stuff that they really like to do, and and we do that too, I guess, in food, but we have a retail network of stores and we're vertically integrated at a technical level, which means we make the cakes, we deliver the cakes, and we're also in charge of how that's executed at a retail level and that's and, and that's a point of difference because it's just rare. It means that we're in charge of what goes into the products. We're in charge of uh, if there are ingredient cost movements or other pressures, we decide if we want to swap out cheaper ingredients and less, you know, lower quality ingredients and the point is we don't. You know, other businesses might be tempted to drop the price or drop the quality. We're in here or in this business for the long run we're very conscious that, you know, a couple of years might seem like a long time to some people, but for us, it's generations that we think of. Uh, Mike and I both have kids. They may or may not want to join the business, but whoever takes over the reins of this business, when he and I want to step back, we want to hand, hand over something that is a reflection of the kind of legacy that we want to leave. In the same way that I know my father's really proud of what he has handed over to my brother and I, and likewise his father uh, and his father. I think also. I mentioned before, we only make products for our own network. We have a very big bakery that does a lot of fresh, wonderful stuff every day and plenty of people call us regularly and say, hey, can you supply my cafe? Um, you know, why don't you sell pies to, you know, ABC company? And we're just not interested in doing that. We're not interested in losing control of how it's sold and where it's sold. And we want all of our franchisees to know that, you know, when they buy a Ferguson Player franchise, no one's going to walk down the street and see the same product on someone else's shelf. I think that's really important these days. And with social media and communication so readily available to everyone, um, you know, people talk and we want our, our customers to know they can only get what we offer um, in our own stores. Also, when when we own the bakery, you know, the stuff that gets us excited is not making exactly the same product that we made 50 years ago. And as much as we've got some recipes that are 50 years old and relatively unchanged, the exciting stuff is what's happening now or next month, you know, on a MasterChef program or what have we seen overseas in Europe with a trend, with a new trend and how quickly can we get that experience to our customers? And, uh, and so, you know, with the likes of Instagram and Facebook and all the media stuff out there, you know, we can find a trend in Denmark and we can have that product, you know, in market made by Ferguson Player into our stores you know, within three or four weeks at some at some stages. And it keeps things really interesting for our franchisees. They have very genuine reasons to have conversations with their customers. You know, have you tried this new product? Have you tried our new cookie cakes, our new gourmet donut range? 
We can uh, we can be doing our latest celebration cake designs. Could be at a wedding cake or an engagement cake, cake level, and that keeps things really exciting. So our speed to market for new trends is really strong. Whereas a lot of other brands, you know, they've got to go through six to twelve months of getting supply chain and other suppliers to build these products to spec. By the time they're in market with a market that we have right now, sometimes the trend's gone or the fad has gone. That's not the case with us. Our speed to market's really, really strong. Key point of difference, it's obvious for anything I've just said there, is our history. You know, we've got incredible brand awareness, particularly in Victoria. Been around since 1901. We've still got our original store in Mooney Ponds in 19, uh, started in 1911. Victoria Market Store is still trading out of the same location in ni- uh, from 1931. And our original Coburg store is still trading on the corner of Bell Street and Sydney Road since 1935. Our franchisees buy into a brand that when they put the Ferguson Player shingle up and they open a store in Victoria, a very, very significant portion of customers will walk past. They know the brand. They know the history. They've got trust. They might have had a grandmother or a parent who had their wedding cake made by us or who have a story. And that that's impossible to replicate. We have people every day you know, wanting to open a new business and, and try and create a new brand, well, then we have this unassailable protective asset in our business and it is our reputation. And the kind of stuff that I'm talking about is not just, hey, we've been here for a long time, we make some nice cakes, trust us. We served the Queen of England in 1963 when she came to Australia for the Jubilee celebration. Three years later, in 1966, we served the President of the United States, Lyndon Johnson, you know, both of their their management team sought us out because of the reputation that we had, trusted, tried, delicious. And they're the kind of stories that, you know, that people get when they join the Ferguson Player brand. And that's the reason why Ferguson Beehouses has won the number one food franchise successively so far? Oh, I, th- I think that's one of the many reasons. I, I think if we, um, if, if we talk to that particular point, we've been making cakes for a long time, so recipes you know, mixing how to make those cakes and get them into retail stores is key. But when you're talking about franchising, it's not, it's quite different to running your own stores. You know, when you have staff, they join your business. They've, you know, we have systems, they've got to do it a certain way. But franchising is unique in the sense that we have a way to do things, but we're telling people, hey, own your own business. And franchising is all about trying to capture that entrepreneurial spirit that can be harder to get when you employ people directly. When you own a business, and uh, you know, speaking firsthand here or seeing my forefathers um, and mothers running their business, it's, you know, you get home uh, and you think, well, what am I going to do differently tomorrow? How can I make someone happier? How can I build a product that's going to, you know, increase our sales? How can I build my reputation? Ferguson Playhead Office is in charge of some of that. But you know, if you, Ellen, have a cafe right now that you love, my guess is, you know, if you drink coffee or tea, that first of all, they make it pretty well. Maybe they make it amazingly. Maybe they have some products that are really delicious. But my guess is the one that you go back to every day, they know your name. They know exactly how you have your product. They know when you want it. Maybe there's a temperature thing. You know, maybe they ask about your life, what you've been doing, if you've got a family, what your kids are doing. You know, people have been buying engagement forever like five ten thousand years go back to the markets in egypt you know people are buying engagement so we give them a great product wonderful we fit out a store we teach people how to do it the ferguson player way that's wonderful but we say to our franchisees for every dollar that someone gives you you know 50 cents is for the product and we'll make that for you fresh every day 
got a good reputation, should be pretty good. The other 50 cents is for the way you make them feel. And if customers don't get a return on that second 50 cents, you know, honestly, it doesn't matter how good the Ferguson Player cakes are. People are not going to come back. You know, we all know there's massive competition. There are people eager to get our business, to show loyalty. So when we talk about the number one franchise award, it's us feeling incredibly proud about uh, the process that we put around trying to take people who say, look, I like your cakes and I like your business and I want to own a Ferguson player and run it. But it's our capacity to take sometimes people who have had experience and sometimes people who have had no experience. And sometimes that's a bit of an advantage because there's no bad habits. How do we take someone and we turn them into someone who can give customers a return on that second 50 cents? Um, And they have to do it. And our best franchisees give customers an incredible return. They queue up every day to get a dose of what that franchisee is giving. It's a smile. It's conversation. It's company. It's inclusion. It's all those things. And and worst franchisees are the ones that do it the worst. And and I want to talk about, you know, the worst and the best because our top 20 franchisees are amazing. The bottom 20, they're struggling. And that happens in every network. Um, Our challenge is how do we get the majority of them doing what the best of them are doing and getting voted the number one food franchise in Australia in that in in that competition really helps us feel proud about the fact that we're, we're doing that. We've done it consistently for, I think, six or seven years now. That award is based on anonymous feedback from our franchisees. So we want to know what they are happy to say when we're not around. Um, And that that process validates that. But it also tells us the things we might have gone backwards on and the things that we can improve on compared to other businesses. And that is our focus every year. We get surveyed twice a year and we're very upfront and transparent with our franchisees about where we might have gone backwards and what we're working on because we want them to know the stuff we're working on is the stuff they've asked us to work on. So, you know, coming from a family who talked a lot about how, how good are the cakes and how good are our recipes and, yes, we've served the Queen and the President, now having some validation around the fact that we have a recipe for helping create amazing customer service and giving people a business that they can get a return on is, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's something we're very proud of. That, that concept of a, of a recipe for a business as well is, is extremely interesting. I mean, the business has been around, as you mentioned, for a very long time, 118 years plus. What hurdles have you had to overcome to get it to where it is today? And also... That being said, how do those lessons translate into a new franchisee coming on board, being comfortable there with a with a proven system that's gone through the booms and booms and busts as well? Yeah, absolutely. Look, the the fact that we're still here implies that we, that we found that we somehow navigated our way through every challenge, and we have right. And um, you know, it's absolutely not without bumps and bruises. But you know, if you look at a business that's been around for a century. There are some learnings that have clearly been codified in what we do. It certainly talks to resilience. And I think, you know, when you're buying a business, you, you it helps for you to know that the fundamentals are based on having survived um, some big things and, and resilience is key. There are a lot of startups these days, are very exciting, you know, things to be in. But, you know, the proof is in the pudding only when you look around and, you've, you know, you've got five or ten years behind you and you can, you can say, hey, yeah, I did what I said I was going to do. So if I talk to specifics, first of all, you know, we're a family business in its fourth generation. That in itself is super rare. So we have survived multi-generational family business. And I think that talks to 
our family's capacity to understand people and to adapt to different personalities. You can't always breed the right successes in a family business. It means that you've got to make some hard decisions. You might be incredibly proud of your children, but one, they might not want to join the business. And secondly, they might not have the talent, the specific talent you need or your business needs. And uh, I'm very you know, grateful that my uh, four parents, grandfathers and grandmothers, because uh, you know, the grandmothers have had some great roles in here too, have, uh, you know, have made the right decisions around who they've led into the business and who haven't. And uh, those people who haven't joined the business have, have gone on to do great things in other areas, which is great. I'm, you know, I'm really lucky that my brother and I share roles that are quite different. He is the head pastry chef. He is the foodie. He loves this stuff. And I do too, but he's better at you know, making it. And I really like the commerce and the marketing side of things, the strategy side of things. So that's a bit of luck. We're busy making sure that we put some things in place that don't rely on luck for future generations. Um, we do have some franchisees who have been with us for 24 years. So some of them, you know, the way that we transition and succeed our business is going to be important to them. So first of all, we've got a structure there. If you, but if you look over the last 100 years, you know, there has been World War I, World War Two. Uh, the Great Depression in the, uh, you know, uh, 1929, multiple recessions, social, political upheavals, and we've navigated all of those through some incredibly, incredibly tough times. That means you would have been supplying the Anzac biscuits. Oh, yes, I'd, I'd like to think we were, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Our challenges over the years have been even, you know, trying to, trying to get ingredients you know, during those times, but you know, uh, building loyalty with customers in those years has been really key. But, you know, through that, it's proven to us that, you know, whatever peaks and troughs you've got coming and whether they're financial or social or otherwise, you know, you've got to have a solid model. You've got to have a great team and culture. You don't want people abandoning you when things get tough. And that means that when things are good, we should be generous because when the tough times come, we know that we're going to need our teams to be generous. And it's, you know, who do you want in the trenches with you as you go over into those kind of challenges? So having that kind of longevity is going to be key. Brand loyalty with customers is obviously really vital. It means that you can have some really tough things happen to your business, but people's memories of what you have given to them and delivered over the years means that they you can have a stickier relationship, which is, which is key, and especially when discretionary income is under pressure. It really is, uh, it really is important. And... and- and you mentioned the, uh, you know, overcoming those tough times. How do you rate now, you know, the mood of the franchise sector in Australia? And, um, you know, what's your take on where it's heading and how you focus on you know, navigating to present yourself as standing out from some of what's going on in the sector? Yeah, it's a great question. Look, uh, there are certainly challenges for franchising. And what's interesting is, you know, we, we have laws in life for everything, not just business laws. We have, you know, don't kill people laws and people still get killed, what we've got is, I think, in the franchising sector, some people who have behaved really poorly. And, you know, that that's sort of stating the obvious. And there has been a, a brush that's been wiped across the entire franchising industry, which is which is not great. But look, to be fair, I think, you know, these kind of, the kind of focus that franchising is getting means that those people who are doing the right thing and not just can say it, but can show it and can demonstrate that they are genuine and authentic We'll come out the other end of this. Firstly, you know, looking better. It might be a more regulated environment, and that's just life. Unfortunately, as an industry, some you know some players have resulted in in that happening. And for those 
marginal businesses out there, and there are some marginal businesses, they won't make it through this. And, you know, part of market economics is that, you know, that they shouldn't make it through this and they absolutely shouldn't make it through this if it is the result of poor behaviour and poor culture. So, you know, we think about this deeply with all that. We've got a family business. We like to say we're a family business. We like to say we've got family values and and, and a family culture, and we do. You know, we, we've, we've got values that we talk to through our employment process, performance appraisals. Everyone gets rated across our value set. It's a fundamental part of how we, how we assess our people, as well as franchisees who are exposed to. We have a value session and a history session with all new franchisees, with me, on with a one-on-one. And we ask them to hold us to account on those things. And obviously our franchise award, when there's an anonymous survey, we, we get judged on, on those things. So I think, you know, for brands like ours, it's the capacity to stay the course and be able to prove that when people engage with our brand and our business, they can see and feel and experience that what we've said publicly is what we are at a values level. It includes the way that employees talk about us, customers might talk about us. And to be fair, you know, those people who are doing that well, that that will result in those businesses performing or being more popular and getting more brand loyalty than they ever have before. But you've got to be able to demonstrate it. I think the currency of trust and authenticity and showing that you've done this has never been stronger. And, you know, put franchising to the side, just look at what's happening globally you know, fake news, Donald Trump, whatever you like to think of him or anyone else who are, you know, accused of sometimes not telling the truth. People are surrounded by this, do I believe this or not do I believe this or or can I not believe this? You know, brands who can stand proud and say, look, you can believe this, I I think are going to be the strong ones. And I should say, you know, know, we, we don't get things right all the time by any means. I mean, 75 stores over 100 years, that's pretty slow going if you look at it in the long run compared to some other brands. Um, And, uh, you know, most of our interactions with franchisees and people are, you know, are outstanding, but you will have people who are not happy with, you know, with, with their relationship with Ferguson Player. And part of that is because one of our values is care and, uh, and care is not forgiveness. Care is we have a standard and the standard's been set by, you know, might be Otto Player, Ray Player. It's also upheld by the majority of our franchisees and uh, and care is also about tough love, but it is about fair love. It's about doing that to values. And uh, as I said, some other brands in the market have, have not done that. So just to take a step back, your franchise model is advertised as being royalty and marketing fee free. How does that business, how does the business support itself without the royalties from its brands and its products? Yeah, sure. Look, because we are, the, the short answer is because we're the bakers. Other businesses like ours might come along and I want to start a bakery brand and they build a brand and they build a retail system and they buy their cakes or their products from someone else and that margin stays with those wholesalers. And that, in fact, is what a lot of our competitors do. You will see similar products on shelves out there and and they buy them from the same people. Now, because we are the the bakers and we, we have that whole supply chain, it means that you know, we make we've stayed in what's called a gross profit model, which is you know we sell you a pie for for you know two bucks um, say, and uh, and that's it. What you do with that pie afterwards, you know you what what money you put through the till you keep. We don't take a clip of that. We find that our franchisees prefer that. Um, it it works for us because we sell them the majority of what they sell. So. 
you know, royalty has been for lots of people a bit on the nose. It it, it is absolutely a, a system that works for most franchisors because they're not always the owners of the products or they don't always make the products that are sold. But for us, it works that way. Um, and the feedback we get from our franchisees are that they love it. You know, it's really simple. You you know, I have to buy my cakes and my pies and everything from Ferguson Plair, sure. But once you send me that invoice, I'm done. I don't get a royalty invoice in a month or in three months. It also, and you talked about marketing levy, that that's also built into our product price. Uh, if if our franchisees don't sell a product or if they can't sell a product, they don't buy it from us in the first place, which means we don't make the margin on the wholesale product. So we've got an incredibly, in, in fact, entirely vested interest in marketing the product for them because want customers turning up to their counter saying, hey, can I have that great new delicious Tim Tam donut that I heard about? And then they want to order it and they have to order it through us and we get the sale. And so we spend as much as we think we need to drive our own sales. And again, that has been something that's worked really well for us. And the feedback we get is that it's it's a nice, clean system for them. Great. And then with the system there, how do you go about matching that with the right franchisee, the right site as well? And second part of this question, what makes for a good Ferguson Clara Bakehouse franchisee? Is it skill, a set of attitude, or is there anything else you think that drives the success? Yeah, sure, sure. Look, first of all, if we've got a candidate, we like them always to live within 30 minutes of the store. You know, we're a, we're a pretty hands-on model. We like the owners and the franchisees to be close to home, you know, with traffic and all that stuff these days. It can really eat into a week. If you got to drive further than that, you know, lots of our franchisees have, have children and their families as well. And, you know, travel time can be pretty tough. And we just find that our, our best franchisees are the ones that are located close to home. So it's not just convenience and time for them, but the franchisees who shop in their neighbourhood and know their neighbourhood um, are more likely to be able to execute local area marketing campaigns as well as have relationships with people who, you know, they see in the street every day. I mean, we're a bakery. We're not a big corporate. You know, bakeries are very traditional kind of you got your butcher and you got your your bread bakery. And, you know, I should mention we don't make bread, but we do make everything else. And bakery is one of those. You, you know, you want to be able to, or I think it helps to be able to say, hey, look, I bought my birthday cake from, you know, John who owns the Ferguson player around the corner. So it fundamentally helps improve their chances of, of having strong sales. What's also important for us is, you know, you can have a gut feel for where a location's going to work. A gut feel's not good enough these days. You might think the demographic is what it is and those kinds of things, but there's a lot of data around. And um, as much as we're a century-old baking business, which is pretty artisan, we're very, you know, future-focused and technology-focused. So every three years, we do a, a really, really big deep dive into locations and what are the factors that influence how um, good uh, performing stories down there. So what we do is we collect all of the um, sales information right down to product category level for all of our stores and we we overlay that with the census data and that gives us a very detailed impression of where our stores perform well and that might be, you know, the av- when, when the average age is a certain figure and it might be families with two and a half kids, they might be predominantly grey collar I might have five schools in the area. It might be, you know, a certain type of, of demographic at a, um, you know, might be Southeastern European or Indian or what, whatever it is, it tells us. And so we're there, we have about 25 key factors that if we put these numbers into a formula, 
we can predict with uh, 83% accuracy right now um, what the sales of that site are going to be. And that other 17%, I mentioned before, the power of having um, wonderful customer service and the operator is the operator. So we have stores that will vastly overperform that, that estimate and we have stores that will underperform that estimate and the variables are, are most often the, um, the operator that we've put in. So we do our very best to try and match them to an area that suits it's no guarantee, but every year we try and make it is as close as possible. And that's, you know, clearly for our franchisees' sake as well, it's a big investment for them. And the franchisor, I mean, one, it's a big investment for us too because we're, we're selling the product. We, you know, we, we hopefully set ourselves up with a new customer and we take the head lease. So, you know, we never, we never back a site that we're not willing to back ourselves because should it not work, well, you know, we, we'll be left holding the keys and that's not something that anyone wants. Right. Thank you, Stuart. That's actually quite informative. So we've talked about a lot in this podcast and obviously anyone who's listened to this podcast who wants to click their inquiry button just wants to know if you have any advice for anyone looking to join the team. Yeah, sure, sure. Look, you know, first of all, there are lots of businesses you can get into and the thing I love about this business is, you know, we're selling cakes, we're selling pies, you know, we're selling happiness. To be fair, yeah, we're not selling, you know, broccoli and iron and protein and these kind of things, you know, the, the interactions that are that our franchisees experience are mostly ones of, you know, real joy where they get to see a customer who, you know, they see most of the time every day. Uh, they need to be people, people. Um, and I know that sounds pretty obvious, but you've got to love being around people because I mentioned before, that is what you're selling. You're selling a, a pie, but you're mostly selling a relationship. And, you know, our, our franchisees are serving between one and 2,000 people a week. That's a lot of interactions, but it's a great source of happiness. Uh, you know, when you're lifting the lid on a, on a birthday cake for someone's, you know, five-year-old son and they go, oh, wow, that's just amazing. Yeah, that kind of stuff, uh, it, it's really hard to put money on. So first of all, it's a fun business. Second of all, you know, stating the obvious, it's retail and it's food and it's nearly always seven days a week and it's hard work. You know, you're on your feet a lot. Most of our businesses are very hands-on in terms of the operators, but we don't have cooking out the back, which is a real attraction for a lot of potential franchisees. We teach you how to make great coffee. You become a great barista. We, we put you through our service training process, which is, uh, which is a lot of fun. We use theatre sports and all kinds of things to extract that charisma from all the people that wear our, um, our uniforms. And, of course, I mentioned, or you mentioned before, you know, no royalties in a business. So it keeps it simple. And, the, you know, the family members are involved. You know, I'm talking to you as a fourth-generation Claire, family member, baker, you know, my brother and I, we test these products and these concepts on our kids and our nieces and our nephews before we test them on anyone else. We have to bump into all of our friends all over Melbourne who will pretty quickly tell us if we're not doing a very good job. You know, we are attached to this brand. We are building it for the next generation, which means we are in for the long haul. And, uh, and if, you know, if people listening to this want to be part of a genuine family, they can work hard they like food and they like people, then, you know, Ferguson Play is a pretty good home. Fantastic. And we do encourage anyone interested to head to the Ferguson Play website and put an inquiry down. You, you also have a contact us box near the podcast. So we encourage you to submit your details and one of the team will be in touch with you ASAP to get your journey going with the company. Apart from that, Steve, look, we'd want to finish up. What are the goals now this year for Ferguson and the year ahead? Any key goals you need to tick off? Yeah, look, I think in the current retail market, everyone's talking about, you know, discretionary incomes under pressure and housing values and those kind of things, which can make people feel really um, insecure about about the money that they spend. So, 
you know, right now we are finding, we talked about longevity before, you know, we've got um, some some really good, you know, we talk about like-for-like like sales growth and, and for the record that is those stores that were operating last year and are operating this year, they have had sales growth. We're in a growth market for Ferguson Player um, at a time when most of our peers are not experiencing that. So we are trying to, you know, double down on that. You know, we're finding that now that things, some of our customers might be under a bit of stress, well, they're reverting to what's familiar and the things that they have known and the things that they trust and to brands that um, have the kind of values that you want when there is turmoil in the world. So, you know, we've recently engaged very deeply with the Salvation Army on a, um, on a great project late last year with Gingerbreads. We're just right now just about to launch a Salvation Army fundraising campaign around our hot cross buns. And, uh, and so that's helping to underpin some of that support that we've got out there. Um, and sales growth for our existing franchisees is incredibly important. I mean, I'm sitting here talking to you about why people should join the Ferguson Player family. That's wonderful. But they want to know that next year and the year after that we still have an incredible focus on, well, how do we grow their sales year on year and year on year? So first of all, it is, uh, it is that. Second of all, we, we do a lot of stuff in sustainability. So we've, uh, we've been revisiting some things that we're doing in our bakery. Uh, we're currently pulling 80% of our peak energy from solar and we want to be able to tell that story. And, uh, and we're, we're, right now we're preparing for our gala awards, which our franchisees get very excited about. So, you know, it's about now that we start to put the meat on the bones around that. It's going to be held at the um, Grand Plaza Ballroom in the city this year and it's where we recognise and reward our best franchisees and that gives them a real real uplift uh, and we find that that translates through to um, the customer experience. So, um, so look, oh, sorry, and, and, and how could I forget this? Technology, right? I mean, we're this age-old business where we're selling cakes. We've got some very significant uh, digital projects uh, that are on the go at the moment. Relaunch of our website, which currently drives 25% of all of our celebration cakes are derived online, which is great for our franchisees. Our online sales are growing at 33% a year and we've got a fantastic new designer cake tool coming which operates across a number of devices and it's going to be a, an industry first. That's all I can say but, you know, that's pretty exciting for us being an age-old, century-old family business but we are firmly got our eyes on the future. Fantastic. Thanks again, Steve. It's been fascinating just talking about the journey from a, from a multi-generational business started you know, 100 plus years ago to now a a, a modern, innovative company that's that's embracing customer experience and technological change. It's been extremely interesting. So we'd love to have you on again soon for an update to tell us how you're going with your your, your growth plans for the year as well. Absolutely, love to, love to catch up. Thanks a lot for that. No worries. Good on you. Eden Exchanges was brought to you by the team at Eden Exchange. In this episode, we spoke to Steve Player, CEO of Ferguson Player. For more information on the Ferguson Player Bakehouse franchises or any other episodes by Ethan Exchanges, head to our networking website, businessbyinvest.com. You can also subscribe to this series on iTunes or Stitches if you're using Android. Find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram for recent info on the buying, selling, and investing world. Thanks for listening. Well, that's like